Cheese Bro, it. Is sliced bread that good? You know, like you can slice your own bread. Yeah, but we're lazy. <sighs> That's just the sign of the times, isn't it? Like fucking can't even slice your own goddamn bread. Bloody hell. Have you tried slicing bread? Oh, yeah, you get a fucking bread knife. It's easy. You have a bread knife? Yeah, but not with the, not with the yeah, knife. Yeah, we have a bread knife, but yeah. Just fucking use it. Although there is um, the, the coals in, um, there's a new coals that opened up in um, in the city there. Oh, um, and they got a little machine that would cut your bread for you. Oh. You can set how thick you want it. So you can get the loaf, they bake, oh. chuck it in the machine, does a little bit of shaking for you. Fucking bonza. There you go. Sounds Slice like bread. I'm going to start penciling in bread orders for Spencer to pick up on the way home from, like, work, and I'll pay him a commission. <laughs> I reckon so. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, not bad, eh? Pick up a cheeky focaccia here or there, maybe a, oh, a nice sourdough. I've, oh. d- I've done worse for less, I'll tell you what. <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Rear of the Grid. As always, I am your host, Matt, joined again by my good friend, Jashan. How are you on this occasion, sir? How am I on this occasion, sir? A bit bummed that you and Aitken won't be playing this weekend in the NRL, but uh, apart from that, I am beside myself with joy, Matthew. A lot of good stuff going on recently. I've just realised I just, just I just don't have a center to replace him. Anyway, on uh, this week's show, fear not, we will not be spending forever talking about NRL fantasy. We will, however, discuss who should be joining the Wiggles, <laughs> the Le Mans 24-hour race, and whether or not Australia's role in Formula One could be about to expand. All that and more on this. A haphazard banger episode of Rear of the Grid. Here we are back for another week at Rear of the Grid. And uh, this time, are you ready for this, Jashan? Uh, yes, I'm are ready. Are ready for this? Because we're, we're here in review of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Because I'm no, hijacking no. another podcast. No! No! I can do what I want. You can keep saying no. No, it was, of course, uh, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in Baku, which, despite lasting for only about 90 minutes, probably wasted more of my time than if I'd watched every second of the 24 Hours of Le Mans, which was won <laughs> by... A margin of, if my webpage will load quick enough. Well, it was won by a margin of two minutes with a further five laps back to the car in third, yet was somehow probably more compelling of a race. So, um... Wow. It was a real... Wait, two minutes is five laps? Two minutes is five laps in Le Mans? No, no, no. Second place was two minutes behind. Third place was five laps. Ah, oh, I see. Okay, okay, okay. Well, bit so a big a short ass of, track bit right a there. big no a, a lap is like two minutes so yeah yeah lead was almost yeah. that uh be that but i, I will just say quickly quickly to go through Le Mans because there are some notable people as always uh toyota getting the win hey john with uh 
legends of Formula One themselves, Sebastian Buemi, Brendan Hartley, and uh, their teammate <laughs> Rio Hari- Hirakawa. Uh, Kamui Kobayashi Brendan was Hartley. in the other Toyota that came second. A few other little names are Antonio Felix da Costa and Will Stevens, formerly of very brief F1 fame, uh, took out LMP2. <laughs> Uh, Robert Kubica was in a car with Louis Delatraz, which was the second-running LMP2 car. A few others are yeah, Louis Delatraz. Nick DeVries was fourth in class in LMP2. Felipe Nazar fifth. Uh, mm. We continue on our journey. I found that. Uh, Alex Brundle, who was not on commentary this week, oh, because really? he was driving a car with Esteban Gutierrez and finished uh, 17th overall, which should be, I think, or 13th in class. Uh, what were some other good ones yeah. that I found looking through this before? Oh, Jack Aitken was in a car with Sophia Florsch. They finished 25th. Bent Viscal finished 26th in his car. Sebastian Bourdais uh, finished up 2017th and into the GTs. Uh, the big man Ooh. himself, my boy, Shane Van Gisbergen, finished 5th in class on the Mon debut in a Ferrari. Uh, there was a couple of other... Decent ones. Uh, Nikki Team, who I know as a uh, streamer, finished 36 and like third in uh, GTM. One of the. Oh, Sean Galail. DNF. Sean Galail. Sean Galail retired having completed All right. uh, That makes this entire segment worthwhile. Oh, man. And also Ben Ben Barnacote was there. He he took five. Oh, in. Ben Barnacote. All right. Yeah, hey, mate. Mate, Lamont is always worth it. But yeah, five straight wins for Toyota now Um, at Le Mans. Yeah, whenever. I mean, I love the World Endurance Championship and the concepts of Le Mans, but it, it's a. Gone are the days where we had. Audi, and I think at that time Toyota, and then for a while it was... Oh, sorry, it was Audi and Peugeot, and then it was Audi and Porsche. And then ever since Audi, it was kind of like, ah, well, we've won this like three trillion times, so we're done. Just never really had two top teams. And so you think your fucking F1's a bit of a snooze fest? Try Try legitimately only having one actually really good team on the grid who are pretty much guaranteed winning if their car makes it to the finish it's it's great shit but hey brendan hartley has won another le mans and big man sebastian Buemi, former red bull drivers but whilst le mans well just after le mans had finished up there was another race on the weekend and i'm not even talking about the indy car race that i still haven't finished watching it was the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, traditionally a bit of a banger uh, in general speaking, and also notable for the fact that in the five previous editions, we had never had a repult, pol, repeat pole sitter, race winner, or owner of the fastest lap of the race. Wow. Would that change? I probably just usurped your facts, haven't I? No, 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 no. I've got plenty of other facts. I've got a uh, race-specific fact. Ooh, race-specific uh, yeah, facts. Nice. Having provided my fact of the week, why don't we start out with some factoids from you yourself, Jushan? Yes, Ray I'd love to. Months. So the first fact, the first fact on this chilly fucking day in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, globe, is that Matthew has already broken the record for the amount of ums 
said in the opening minutes of a podcast with 15. Mate, Very if, impressed. You, if, you don't, if you don't like my podcasting style, I will happily go into retirement and spend more time watching cycling. Now, what is, what's going on in the world of cycling at the moment? Is there another... Uh, the Criterion Dauphiné finished on the, uh, on the weekend. That was, well, it was a bit of a one-sided affair, but that was to be expected. Uh, Tour of Slovenia, well, Tour of Swiss is on at the moment. Tour of Slovenia starts tonight. And we are, of course, only two weeks away from this podcast becoming a Tour de France podcast for three weeks. Actually, four weeks, because after the Tour de France finishes, they go straight into the new Tour de France femme. So it is kind of the peak of the cycling season at the moment. Oh, if, you're a, if you're France a basic, fan. if you're a basic mainstream cycling fan who's only aware of like the Tour de France, to all the all the outsiders, it seems like it's the peak of the cycling season. But realistically, that peaked like three months ago during Spring Classics. But different conversations for a different time. But yes, busy, busy, busy world in uh, cycling in the moment. Spring. Chuck this bad boy in a nutshell. So Max Verstappen got the dub over in Azerbaijan. The Planetary capital of arm wrestling. His fifth win out of eight races this season and 25th career win. Tying him with two all-time greats. Do you know who those all-time greats are? Hume. Wait, number of wins? 25. 25 yes. Well, they're not Charles Leclerc. I'll tell you that for free. Can um, confirm. Charles Leclerc, not an two all-time people, great yet either. Two people with 25 wins. Modern era or... Predating the nineties. Predating. Oh, one of them might have snuck into the nineties. Okay, but definitely one of them the other work. one is is old. All right, <laughs> I'll go with Alberto Ascari. And Last based race. based on your lack of anything, if it's not him, maybe it's a Juan Manuel Fangio or oh, Jim Clark. Jim Clark is one. Yes. All right, my boy Jim Clark. Uh, and the other one is also predating the nineties, but um, just just only just. KK Rosberg? KK Rosberg he, he is an interesting won, shout. He wouldn't have won it's, 25 it's races. Um, incorrect. Nikki, Nikki Lauda? Yes, it's Nikki Lauda. Jim Clark and Nikki Lauda. There you go. Yeah, the goat know. and one of the goats. Is Jim Clark the goat? Jim Clark is definitely the goat. No shit. There you go. Regardless, it was only the third time in Red Bull's history that they have won five races in a row. <laughs> Vettel won nine straight races in 2013, just to, just to let all the viewers know. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Verstappen and Perez took five on the trot last year. Around this same time frame, I want to say as well, like that Baku-France stretch, I believe, is when Red Bull won five on the trot in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. This is also Red Bull's 81st win in F1, tying them with Lotus for fifth in the all-time list. So very, very handy for the fellas from Red Bull. Meanwhile, over in the camp of Ferrari, two races ago, they were literally on top of the Constructors' Championship, and now they are 80 points behind Yay. Red Bull after their first double retirement since the 2020 Italian Grand Prix. Brutal. Brutal. They haven't won a race in five... Yeah, five attempts, and they've only got three podiums since Leclerc won in Australia. You know so what? just, uh, you know... I've, I've just had a really random thought, and I'm going to do a little Please. bit of cross-podcast promotion crossoverness. You know, when you think about it, Yuri Vips, he's in the wrong driver academy, isn't he? <laughs> he'd, go, he'd go well as a Ferrari driver. I just uh, don't see Ferrari ever signing an Estonian. 
Neither, but they have the same antithesis. Be clearly the fastest people there and score exactly no points. Ooh, antithesis. Antithesis. Very nice. Nice. I like that word. That's a good word. Thank you. And there's Thank one you. more fact I want to bring up, but i got to find it. it was uh, There it is. Yes. Verstappen has now won more races from Leclerc poles than Leclerc has won from Leclerc poles. Yes, correct. It's fucking ridiculous. He took his 15th career pole in Azerbaijan, did Charlie. He's fourth in a row. And he was in contention. He was in contention for a lot of this race. He lost the, he lost the lead at the start to, I believe, Sergio Perez, but um, some nice pit yes, work from Ferrari during yes, the BSC brought him back into contention. And then, alas. Well, that's the thing. Alas. The, after, after the Carlos, uh, Carlos bowed out with the break-by-wire failure... Uh, the one aspect of this race that was looking like it could still prove to be compelling viewing was, yeah, the fact that with that VSC, Ferrari went in for the stop and mixed up the strategies and basically looked like they were going to sort of go for a two-stop Red Bull, one-stop, and it was sort of, yeah, poison an interesting balance of, yeah, where would Charles be in relation to them in the final shakeout, like... Would he come out? Yeah. Would he come out when he put those mediums on, the fresh set of mediums on right at the end? Would he be close enough to strike? Or, you know, would it just be an easy cakewalk for Red Bull? And then he engine go um, kaboom. Kaboom. And yes, it's, it's not Spencer ideal. and I started slowly getting ready for bed. <laughs> sort of oh, so you guys watch this one live together yeah 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 first well sorry second race we've done live together we obviously did australia live yeah of course, um, of course, of course. no we didn't because spencer wasn't this is the first race we watched live together because spencer was in perth for australia yeah we did we did spe- we did um we did perth like uh fuck fucking we did, perth. We did, why we would you even say that we did australia live name? yes you're right we did australia live on a skype yeah. call uh, yeah, yeah really so cute. this is the first time Spencer and I have watched a race uh, as housemates, so yeah. Aww, that's really cute. Ah, that's, that's nice. I, I saw some headlines suggesting that Ferrari are on their way to grid penalties, given the amount of engines they have to be they're swapping out at the moment, because they just keep failing. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all. It's pretty heartbreaking stuff. Are Ferrari... <laughs> are they, like... God, give me a prediction. When will they get their shit back together again? I, ju- I just don't know if they will. I'm very, I'm, <laughs> I'm genuinely very concerned. Uh, yeah. As someone who wants a good championship, as someone who is definitely a Ferrari fan within this particular iteration of the title fight, and mm-hmm. as someone who, well, my weekend, that's the thing. As someone who, for me, my experience of the race weekend was summed up by I can't remember the exact wording, but it was summed up by one tweet that was to the general effect of it must be really hard being a Carlos Sainz fan right now. And boy howdy <laughs> is that fucking true. Uh it is it has been hard being a Carlos Sainz fan the last couple of months. Uh oh, sorry, just, you can just pivot. You can pivot back to being a proper George Russell fan. Well, I mean, yeah, that's t- that's fair, but the problem is I still just don't want to um, uh, see Mercedes experiencing any sort of success, but... That's fair. Uh, yes. 
Question: I if, if 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 let's say Hamilton sticks around for another two years and he's shit the entire time, would you then want Mercedes to start getting some getting some success? Just I mean, I'd want to factor, or do you not want them to win anything until Hamilton retires? Oh, oh, it it won't be once like Hamilton's retired and that. Like I just I'm you know I'm over and I never liked Mercedes anyway. I will. It okay. will be one of those ones. I obviously, I'd be quite happy if George Russell was winning this world championship right now, and that even if he's in a Mercedes. Okay. But I certainly, you know, I would, I would, I would love a scenario, and that's the thing. I kind of love the scenario I've got right now, where George has never finished outside of the top five, and his teammate has been left, right, up, down, and he is, you know, thirty odd, forty odd points behind him in the championship. What's the gap? Russell's on 99, Hamilton. Yeah, there you go. 37 points between them in the championship. I'm loving nice. that. I am loving that. Although I would love it if it was even more. I love it. I'd love it if we had like a... Actually, it's a bigger gap than it is between Norris and Ricardo. That's a bad example because Norris is also <laughs> kind of shit. But you catch my drift. So, yeah, I'm not... I've, I forget not what the original bothered. question was. But, yeah, no, not too bothered. Not too bothered. <laughs> Glad that George is doing this good. This man's tangent is taking him hate, away from the actual train the, of thought. Hate the... Yeah, hate that. But, yeah, I, I just I just don't know if um, Ferrari can actually recover. Um, yeah, it's, it's looking good. But also came out and said that, yes, engine issues here in Baku were a concern. And it's interesting because at the start of the season, obviously, we were talking about how Red Bull's major issue was their reliability. Because they had a few little cook-ups there in the Middle Eastern races to start off the season, whereas Ferrari were looking smooth. The and now all of a sudden, certainly tabled. not only are Ferrari engines blowing up, but you've got Alfa Romeo cars failing left, right, and center. Shout out to Guan Yu Zhou slash Zhou Guan Yu. I believe there was a Haas DNF this weekend as well with Kevin Magnussen. Where power? So, yeah. It was just a bit of a it was a bit of a poison chalice, wasn't it? This this whole brand yeah, new Ferrari engine. It's it's I don't yeah, it's hard to see and know exactly where it's gone wrong, but it has all gone so incredibly wrong and yeah, I don't know how they're gonna turn it around or when they can turn it around, even if they will turn it around, but they need to do it ASAP or else it's gonna be over before it's even begun. Do they need to do it ASAP Rocky or ASAP Ferg? I mate. I'd say the situation is so dire that mm. they need to do it ASAP mob. Wow. <laughs> like, this is, this is all hands on deck. <laughs> it's probably not a problem that they can really solve until there's a proper gap in the schedule. We're obviously uh, leading that does straight seem... into Canada this weekend. Yeah, that's possibly a fair assessment. Um, one thing in terms of championship picture, I think, probably narrative live i think did end this weekend i can't remember whether we discussed it on the podcast whether it was just a thought i had with uh, spencer or not i think we may have discussed it on the podcast the question of is sergio you know it was on the podcast is sergio yes. perez a championship contender no red bull answered that question for us uh it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. unless max goes on a crazy runs of dnfs which puts sergio in such a prime position that he is just so comfortably their safest bet. They have yeah. uh, zero issue. Now, Max was definitely faster than him when he ran him down and got by. He had faster that. race pace. But, but the big thing pace. was, very clearly, they just... No fighting. And, yeah, Perez didn't make it hard for him to get through. 
Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a bummer because up until that point and up until when Paris, uh, Leclerc sort of engine had gone in that, there was still a bit of, a bit of intrigue, like Perez had jumped, jumped Leclerc at the start and then Leclerc was doing managing to keep Max behind him and so Perez was sort of getting to clear out and then, yeah, Carlos had his failure, which I believe was what caused the VSC. Ferrari pitted Charles and that pretty much gave the win to Max because he was then cleared up, was able to run down Perez and, yeah, team sort of, you know... Without actually saying, get out of his way, the team said, get out of his way. Uh, and that's my point. That's the thing. When you're this much of a... Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, oh, because we've just seen different things. Like, in theory, Matt Vettel was that. But it feels like Perez is, you know, so much... This this just feels like even more so than the Vettel era. It is so much. Red Bull exists to win championships for Max. And Perez was brought here because they thought he'll do a really good, consistent job. He'll be there to get some wins when things go wrong for Max. But he'll also, he will he will toe the line and not cause dramas, and he'll be the perfect number two. Because, uh, like, yeah. It, that's the thing. Like, realistically, and I love Perez and that, but I'm like, I can point to a half a dozen cases of weekends during the Vettel Weber uh, era where Weber like had the measure on Vettel and that's why yeah. he won those races. Yeah. Can you name Let's a see. weekend where Sergio Perez has actually looked like quicker than Max the whole weekend? Uh, the, yeah, Monaco. That's about it. N- did he look quicker than Verstappen the whole weekend in Monaco? Yeah, he, he was out driving him in. He out drove him in practice. He out qualified him, and he won the race. I mean, that's he. Pretty, but yeah, but he, I don't think he. Out, you know. He wasn't faster than him in the race, though. You can't possibly say that it was. Perez was the slow. I'd argue. You could argue Perez was the slowest of the top four cars in the race, but he won. You could argue that, but I mean, you can't really. He, he Monaco, absolutely. Right? He doesn't. Like, he, doesn't matter. he absolutely. He, <laughs> he did. He did the important bit in Monaco, which was put it. Um. Up in front of his teammate, and oh, then the pit sequence. That, but like yeah. he's never. I'd even argue that weekend. That's a Monaco. It's a weird one to count. Like again, I don't think he was the fastest guy there that weekend. That was Leclerc. He was the weird pit weirdness that put him to first, and then he was able to win from there. His win in Baku last year was because Verstappen's tires decided to send him. You know, to the shadow realm. True, no, that's fair. Look, he's he's the perfect number two. He he's really not, he's is. Not, he's not had. He's not had. Oh no, absolutely. But that is kind of John my point. Carlos it's just, it is. It is. Hour. Hour. As I can see, like realistically, did anyone but Australians ever probably think you know Weber a world championship? No, but Weber <laughs> Weber was legitimately in contention in certainly the first of those years of Edel's title. I think he may have been in some contention in year three in that. Like. Yeah, Perez per- per- isn't really, which is what's so concerning because Perez isn't in this title fight, but he's the closest rival to Max right now. He yeah. has more points than the guy who is actually in the title <laughs> fight in Leclerc, um, yeah, and that is uh, not a good so. situation for Ferrari to be in. And George Russell is sixteen points out of Carlos Sainz. Shit's wild. Yes. So we've kind of already touched on it. We've given you the little bit of the rundown. 
of what happened with the top teams. And I'm going to ask you a question, Jishan, but it's rhetorical, okay. so I will kind of answer it. And it oh. won't be necessarily entirely true. But basically that question is, so we've, we've given you a little rundown of what happened with the top teams and how quickly it just became a Red Bull. Did anything else really happen in the mid-pack in this race? <laughs> I, it, did, it didn't. It didn't. This was just, it just was, this wasn't a good race, is sort of... There the was some interesting results, factor. but yes. Oh, no, no doubt, but that's the thing, especially for Baku, which has come to hold such like a lofty place within the calendar. It's very rare that we get a bad Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Um, it's, yeah, it's genuinely a very compelling Dude. race every season. And I think it had everything. It was, it was, it was a compelling, even if it wasn't like constant on track action, the tactics of it were shaping up really compelling right until Leclerc's engine blew. But that happened on like lap 20 or something of 55. So more than half the race, it was a foregone conclusion. So it just, yeah, was not a good race yeah, this, a this weekend. It's worth noting uh, that we did we we kind of flirted with the idea of that maybe Mercedes had found some new pace in their car a few weeks ago and that they could maybe 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 take that step up and be somewhat contenders. George Russell qualified very nicely in fifth this weekend. He was one and a half seconds behind Leclerc and Paul. Uh, so that's kind of shows you an <laughs> idea of how far behind Mercedes are as that number three team. I think, and then McLaren it, as that number four team are even hella further behind. Did, did Horner have some comments? I feel like I saw comments from Horner the week leading up to the race that he was, like, wary of, like, renewed Mercedes pace or something. And it gave, just uh, made me think. Horner's, made Horner's me, made comments me, are just out of control it, at this it point. Made me, it made me think. It is so beautiful how seamlessly the big two can just switch roles depending on where they're at. Because this has been Mercedes, like the Toto Wolf Mercedes line for years. Oh, or, yeah. you know, we were, we expect Red Bull will come out and do well. You know, like, could have something there. And, oh, what's that? <laughs> We've won the first seven races of the championship and we're, like, almost a second faster in race pace. Oh, who'd have thunk that? And Horner's here. They're rattling off wins left, right, and center. He's like, oh. I don't know. Mercedes could be back, and that would make them a danger. We are very weird. Oh, they're one and a half seconds off the pace. Oh, no. Hamilton's not got a back anymore. Ah, oh, well, what a shame. <laughs> it's just it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful how easy. That's the thing. Second that, Red Bull's back on top, and after a couple of years of me starting to be like, I'm begrudgingly starting to really like Christian Horner. It's great. They're back on top. I'm back to some slowly starting to act down the path to being like, you're a twat, and I despise you, and like normality yeah. has been restored. Um, yeah, Toto yeah, Wolf's yeah, probably yeah. done lasting damage that can never be reversed by Mercedes being the scrappy underdogs now, but you know it's fine. I'm I'm good with a world where I hate both yeah. of them, and I exactly. only I only respect our Lord and Savior, uh, Mattia Bonotto. Also, good to say. <laughs> what what about the ultimate underdog, Cyril mm. Abitabol? Oh well, we always want we want Cyril a bit of bullshit back. Okay. The thing in the midfield that I want to talk about. Yes, yes, yes. Jashan, get back on track. Focus up. Let's go. Drink your coffee. Hold on. Give me a second. Honestly, mate. Mm. Fuck, I love caffeine. Oh, gorgeous. Tastes like ass. Gets the job done. Yeah, well, you know what? I work hard. And sometimes you need something to get you up in the morning when you've had three hours sleep because you've been up all night editing the goddamn podcast, trying to cut out ums. Yeah, well, for two, three um, hours. Have you have you heard of um crack cocaine? Um, maybe you should I'm try tr that. I'm looking into it, but it's really natural, hard to find a more a natural alternative. Days. 
<laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's why I'm joining uh, Hospo properly in the old bar scene, because that's the easiest way to find uh, crack cocaine. No, that's all lies and speculation. Just why you don't tell your parents about the podcast that you do, because then you don't have to worry about what they might hear you say on set. Yeah, podcast. then we'd have like a third of the views. <laughs> yeah, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> no, so did you see this Daniel Ricardo Lando Norris team team radio incident early on in the race? I most certainly did. I watched the whole thing. Congratulations. Given that Ricardo actually had pace this weekend, I know Daniel Ricardo had race pace, sort of qualifying pace. Not really. He had he had free practice two pace. That's when you know Ricardo is back on form when he has free practice two pace, and he would eventually finish ahead of Lando in said race. So Ricardo started at P twelve. He'd made a few nice little maneuvers to uh, slide up his way. Grid-wise, and then eventually with all the pits, the VSC and whatnot, Norris would find himself P4, Ricardo P5, and basically Ricardo was stuck behind him, to be to be yeah. clear. And he dropped a line. He said, if this is his best pace, I've got more. And if I sit behind any longer, I'm going to get eaten up by Gasly. Now, uh, McLaren... <laughs> McLaren did not let him go past, essentially. They were just, no, nah, not happening. And the only way Ricardo eventually t overtook him was because Norris pitted. And thus, Ricardo yes. inherited that spot and, believe it or not, had enough pace to cover him off in said pits. It's strange. It's strange. Because then later on, when Ricardo was in front of Norris, late in the race, Norris received orders to not overtake Ricardo. So, yes. are McLaren just extremely, extremely, extremely cautious? Or extremely, extremely, extremely dumb? Well, I mean, I thought the logic was justified. They'd felt for the strategy reasons or whatever, Ricardo going in front of Norris or whatever would possibly have harmed Norris's race early on. So, mm -hmm. they told Ricardo to hold position. Uh, rightly yep. or wrongly. Uh, but, you know, come the end, uh, they said to Norris, this is, you know, returning the favour. We told him he couldn't pass you, so we're telling you that you can't pass him. Um, and, you know, obviously in the moment, Norris wasn't particularly happy with that, but why would you be? But I think, mm -hmm. I think you know, from the stuff I've read afterwards, it doesn't sound like Norris is too, like... No, no, he's been reasonable Super duper pissed it. off. He un he understands it. Uh, knows the sport and that. And like right up until the last lap, he hadn't really when he was first asking, he hadn't done enough to be able to let by anyway because he just hadn't closed the gap. He would right right in the last lap and a half, he got right up behind Ricardo's rear wing, and he would have been able to overtake him on mm -hmm. the second to last run to the finish line. Like the yeah, the run down the straight into the last lap. Would have been like if he was allowed to, he would have overtaken him there because he clearly had the pace okay. on the DRS. I mean, it was pretty obvious. Like he was sitting on him, DRS open, stuck the nose out, and break. Like yeah, you, they're in the same Sorry. car, so they've got the same top speed with the DRS. He's going to be faster. Simple as that. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, I can get, I can get their call, and like they're not in the title fight, so it it doesn't matter. It 
it really doesn't matter. It's not also like they've fair. got a also number one fair. driver. You're, they're not. It's not a number one driver. They're not thing. Now the scenario of if you can get close enough to Daniel to inverse the car, and that was the big thing because they gave if Lando had such the pace advantage, they gave him a scenario where he could have gone through. It was okay. Mm-hmm. You close up enough so that you're right behind Daniel, who was more or less right behind Alonso, so that we can switch the cars without Daniel, you know, without really giving up too much, like, relative track position and Daniel having to drop back by two seconds or whatever. Then, yep, we'll do that. No worries about it. And then you can have a crack at Alonso. And that this is a very classic move. Switch the cars. Let the uh, thing. If you've had one driver just sitting behind a guy forever and his teammate comes up behind him, switch the cars, give the teammate the crack at them, see if they can go forward and hunt down the guy or get past them. And you go through and if they can't, then with two corners to go, they'll slow up, reverse the positions, and let the guy who was originally in front finish in front and everyone's happy. Well, this is the and thing. So, yeah. if, if I can just slide in here, because you're focusing on the Norris not being allowed to pass Ricardo towards the end. But I think the issue is more with Ricardo not being allowed to pass in the initial incident. Because, look, yes, Ricardo finished 8th, Norris finished ninth, Alonso finished 7th, and Alpine are McLaren's major rivals this season in that battle for P4, top of the midfield, top of the best of the rest, whatever. And, look, guys like Paul DeResta, a few other commentators, and notable pundits have come out and said, yeah, look, I would have rather seen Ricardo actually go ahead. Because oh, he had I, that yes. pace, he had I, those hard tires, which were proving to be the faster tire. Get Let him have a go on, on Alonso, you know? do it. I, I agree. The, the call to not let Ricardo through. Because mm. they were on start. different strategies. Baffling one. Yeah, Absolutely. That's the one. I guess I was focusing more because I know this is where I think like a lot of the conjecture has come out because of how unhappy Norris is. Because Ricardo, I don't remember any messages from Ricardo no. spitting the dummy or whatever when he probably could have. But no, I agree. Um, Ricardo, you know. And if anything, oh, yeah. that's possible. That really, the call at the end there was them going, well, we know we were wrong and we fucked Ricardo the first time around. So we probably owe it to him to at least let him keep this position. Mm. Um. Yeah. No. Uh. The whole thing was a bit a bit messy, but you know that's just sort of um, symptomatic of the year. That uh, it is exactly that's the it. thing. It it doesn't look good for McLaren, who are already under a bit of fire mm. for well how shit Ricardo has been. <laughs> An issue. Uh, they're they're kind of links with a potential Audi takeover, which I think won't actually happen. But, you know, if you get stories swirling about favoritism and this and that, it doesn't help at all, I don't think. So, yeah, not ideal. Not a great look for the team in orange and baby blue there. Actually, is it a baby blue? Is it more of a cyan, do you think? Oh, it's more, um, yeah. Uh, this year, maybe a little bit. It's probably more, a bit more of a baby blue, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. It's blue. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. To move things along, though, I think, just before we get to what will be, I think, a big feature story of the day, uh, have you got enough other news headlines to want to do a little bit of send it? Oh, sure. I could send it. Did I send it or did I not didn't send it? Yeah, you oh, send it! Send it. Send it! 
I'll rattle off some headlines from the fantabulous world of Formula One. Matthew gets to pick one that he wants to talk about, and normally our co-host Spencer would pick another one, but instead today I'll be slotting into that role and picking uh, a headline for that's my, myself. That's my favourite part of the explanation, because you say that as if Spencer's ever been here for more than like one episode of Send It, compared to like the seven that you've done yourself. I've got, I know, I've got faith that once his exams are finished, he will join the podcast on a more consistent basis. I've got faith. The three musketeers will ride again, Matthew. I, I just have to, I just have to manifest such things. Regardless, headline number one. Courtesy of Motorcycle Sports, MotoGP popularity coming down. The pupil, brackets F1, surpassed the master, brackets MotoGP. Sent. Headline number two. Courtesy of BBC's Top Gear. Yes. F1 calendar. Belgian GP out. South African GP in. Question mark. Love to hear it. Headline number three, courtesy of Yahoo Sport. Oh, yeah. We're getting crazy this week, boys. Will Redmayne join the Wiggles? Big one. Headline number four, Formula One regulations under discussion after Lewis Hamilton in pain from porpoising at Azerbaijan Grand Prix, courtesy of ABC News. And finally, headline number five, over there on the official F1 website, it's happened too many times this year. Joe left frustrated by third DNF of the season in Baku. Consider it sent, oh, Mr. Hume. Is, this, is, this is the easiest decision I've ever had to say. There's actually one story in here that we really should talk about, but I'm not we going will. to because the very <laughs> obvious one is um, <laughs> how good are the Socceroos? How good are the Socceroos, boys? Andrew Redmayne. Uh. I think the, the real talking point here is, is Graham Arnold the greatest footballing mind in history? Because <laughs> the evidence no. stacks up and it says yes. No. I just, I no. think that this is just, un you're just being unpatriotic now. We shouldn't have, we should never have been in this position in the first place. I'm very glad we got through. For, for listeners who don't understand what we're talking about, the Socceroos, the Australian national football slash soccer team, have made it to the World Cup courtesy of just pure footballing heroism. Like, honestly, we love to see it. Every single time we have to play a, a South American nation for the sake of the World Cup, we come out on top. See, We're like the modern conquistadors, Matthew. The modern I, think, I think you're showing a rampant lack of faith that is frankly unpatriotic and disgusting and has me wanting you deported back to your motherland. Uh, classic, the old is deportation Gary vernacular and, uh, coming. Uh, <laughs> Stop the stop the boats, mate. Stop the boats. You're such but, a mate, filthy this is all part redneck boat. This is all part of Arnie's. Yeah, it's a filthy redneck who only exclusively votes for the Greens. That's very. It's it's an interesting um ideology. Yeah, but also once but also once foreigners deported back to their country, <laughs> despite yes. the fact that I was born and raised here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not good enough. <laughs> It's not, I mean, is, is the outskirts, Byron Bay should be, like, ostracized and made into its own, like, failing nation state, because what its a Its own nation old. state, Byron Bay? Yes. Byron Bay state. Let's see, let's yeah. see if, let's see if fucking, 
woke hipsters with their like incense and jandals can actually like support themselves economically. Yeah, they will. It's called tourism, dude. I don't, I don't, I don't think Byron Bay could survive if it was the United State of Byron Bay. I think I think a lot of people go to Byron Bay pretty consistently. Think of the back, like backpackers; they're always in Byron Bay, hanging out, smoking. Yeah, but to think of it, think about it. It would be the kind of thing you'd probably have the caveat now. You know how, like, if you're looking to get into a certain country and they see that you've been to like Syria recently, they're going to be like, "What were you doing in Syria?" There's a war there right now. That's a bit sus. You kind of think, <laughs> if you want to get back into Australia having been to Byron Bay, you're probably going to have to go through significantly more significant, like, border controls than if you're coming in from, you know, Syria. So, this like, is, this is the you'll have to... Thing. You claim to be a leftist co- green supporter, but Byron Bay is literally the capital of leftist it's the, green supporters. It's the wrong kind of the left, nation. though. It's the wrong kind of the left. Ah, uh, the wrong kind of the left, right? Because you are the right kind of man and the right kind of. Oh, left. not and necessarily. Everyone else but is like, um, you know, I just, you know, Larissa Waters doesn't come from Byron Bay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So I'm assuming the headline you've chosen is via Yahoo Sport, Will Redmayne Join the Wiggles? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I wanted to say, ye of little faith, I think what you're failing to understand here is how this was all Arnie's big master plan. Now think about it. <laughs> every, no, every game the Socceroos play, that is television revenue for the game being televised. Ah, I so see. If we, play, if we play more qualification games, that is more games being viewed and more, especially... A sudden death knockout game. Like, let me ask you this, mate. Were you watching the sudden death knockout game? Me? I, against, yes. uh, against, against Peru. Against Peru. Were you watching yes, the I Peru was. game? Did you I watch spent every zero other? dollars you, on it, did, courtesy of I'm sure play. you did. I'm sure you did. But there's still 10 play plays ads that people pay this to get true. the ads. And that, it's, still, it's still all work. That's how the free-to-air model works. My question is, did you watch every other game of Socceroos Asian... Like, World Cup qualifying. <laughs> no, I did not. Exactly. Arnie knew this is the big money game. And he <laughs> masterstroked them into there. Get the extra few games in. Get the game where the whole nation's fucking watching. And then he knew. He's like, we'll take it all the way through to the fucking shootout. Because that, more more TV, yep, more yep, ads, yep, yep, more, more time, eyeballs. Yep. And then, just when they're least expecting it, I'll fucking sub off. National fucking icon Matt Ryan, because like he's shit. Don't even know why he's in the team. <laughs> and I'll bring on some bloke with a beard and the best stunned face on the planet, and just let him whip out his massive penis and be a national hero. Um, and I'd honestly say Andrew, Andrew Redmayne, Redmayne is probably like Mark Swartzer can get fucked. Andrew Redmayne's the greatest Australian goalkeeper of all time, and I'd probably say wow. he's now top five Australians. Top five Australians, you reckon? Um, pretty, uh, yeah, of of all time, pretty much neck and neck with uh, John Aloisi. I mean, he's the best thing he did throughout that shootout was he threw out uh, old mate's water bottle with water bottle, on it. absolute peak shit housery. He's just <laughs> fucking icon. <laughs> you won't be having fucking... that, mate. That's gone. But no, That's... in terms of the Wiggles, though, this is a potential move. So we've got uh, Jeff Fat here speaking to Yahoo Sports. He could teach That's us some moves. Right. This is a quote. He could teach us some moves. And seriously, we'd love him to come into the Wiggles headquarters and we could present him with a grey wiggle skivvy for him to wear in the game. 
can't. I don't know if that's allowed or not. Maybe you could throw the finger guns up into the into the defense. Oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. What if? What if like? What if the Wiggles just sponsored the Socceroos, and then he could have the Wiggles logo on his jersey? Yeah. Also true. I don't think that's a good deal. That's a good. Do international football teams have sponsors in that way? Do they not get to... Surely, surely they could cut some kind of deal with, like, Nike or Adidas or whoever makes the Socceroos mm. kits. And that's so a, little, kits. A, little, yeah, little, yeah, yeah. a little special cross-promotion where they replace the Nike logo with the Wiggles logo. And then, like, you can have the, the Wiggles logo on his right breast. And obviously, it, the left is where the national crest is. Yeah, of course. Um, and then he can go, he can go, then then the pick to resistance is. He can then do, whenever he does something really, like, clutch and great, he does the Dougie Bollinger. And rather, <laughs> rather than kissing, kissing the, the emblem, he kisses the Wiggles logo. <laughs> Shout out to Doug the Rug Bollinger. More of a Ben Hilfenhaus fan myself, but I can respect greatness when I hear Mate, it. Mate, no, what you want is wow. both. Greatest attack we ever had. Oh, also true. It was those two and Ryan Harris for a bit, was it? Or... Oh, probably something like that. My never almost fucking injured and dead and God knows what. God, I love Ryan. Bit of them with like some Peter Siddle or something. Oh, Hoyt don't even Siddle. get me started on Peter Siddle. Hoyt the hat trick on his birthday! Not yet, he doesn't. I'm Mark Nicholas and I like to ruin everything. Uh, <laughs> this is a terrible F1 podcast. Uh, what are you, do you want to pick the, been quite good do you want to, so do you want to pick the actual headline that we really should speak about? You know to like steer things quite often when I think the podcast has been average, you, you come out and say, oh, this has been bloody spectacular. I've loved it. And then when I say it's a great podcast, you come through with the old man, this has oh. been shit. <laughs> the, the, this is this is a fantastic episode to record, but we're currently talking about the Wiggles. It's not very Formula One adjacent. Is that's it? okay. It's Aussie, Aussie sport action. It's fine. Oh, Andrew so Redman that's okay. But if I, I try to come in here and spend forty five minutes talking about Le Mans, you're like, oh no, we can't fucking do this. Well, you did. Ridiculous. You did talk about Le Mans, and we haven't spoken for forty five minutes about. By the way, a much more. I guess iconic moment in sport than just another Le Mans race. You you spent a good five ten minutes about it at the start of the episode. By the way, the most important block on the entire fucking episode you dedicated to Le Mans, whereas we are dropping in this Andrew Redmayne tangent forty nine minutes later for a, a, <laughs> a, a, a similar amount of time. So get off my fucking whore. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. Regardless, the headline. If you cut the show up clever- cleverly, Lamont can become the intro block before the actual A block, and no one will That's ever That's even know. more work, mate. My God. Exactly. Alrighty. You earn your paycheck, mate. The headline I'm going to pick, it's, uh, look, obviously, it's it's the Lewis Hamilton one. So it's uh, ABC News, oh. Formula One regulations under discussion after Lewis Hamilton in pain from porpoising at Azerbaijan Grand so Hamilton finished fourth in Baku, which is totally fine. It's a pretty solid result for, for Sir Lewis. But the man was having a bit of a whinge for a large portion of the race due to the porpoising and associated pain he was receiving. I mean, look, whinge, okay, it's not really a whinge, I think. We've we've heard so many stories about this so far. Quite this justified. It's it's quite justified, yes. It's it's an issue. It's it's quite it's it's an issue. And what 
I find interesting is that Christian Horn has come out and said that rival teams in the sport have been... He, he insists that teams like Mercedes have, are getting their drivers to moan about the porpoising so it becomes more of an issue. So that the FIA come in and make changes. Because obviously Red Bull have not been struggling with porpoising whatsoever. So okay, he doesn't want the changes my, to be made at all. My my counterpoint to that would be then... Um, what exactly is Pierre Gasly's incentive to talk about it? <laughs> Look, we all know that Christian Horner gives zero fucks about Pierre Gasly. Well, that's true. Exactly. Oh, no. Exactly. Do you think the FIA should should step in and and make changes to the current rule set for for car design, etc.? It's hard to say because there is certainly an argument of design your car better. Like not everybody is having excruciating porpoising. It's clearly possible to design a car that doesn't porpoise. Mm-hmm. So design it better. But at the same time, I was sort of saying this to Spencer during the race. Now, my what my conservative thing, what I think this could come down to is the issue is budgetary. It would cost mm-hmm. too much money to overhaul a car that's already designed for this year to resolve the issue. Because mm-hmm. uh, my sort of saying to Spencer is like, obviously, yeah, it's bad in that. It's, I bet it's like either... Mercedes just doesn't give a fuck about their drivers, which seems very unlikely. I mean, Wolf is literally like, apologizing to Hamilton every single week about I know. the, in quotes, shitbox he's in, so... Oh, yeah, but like I can tell you I'm sorry when I don't give a fuck about the podcast, but we all know I'm lying. You just do it because it's the polite thing to say. Yeah, what I was saying to Spencer is, like, this is, this is Mercedes. This team, like, knocked the out of the park and design the best race car for like seven straight years i don't believe it's hard for me to believe that they could just have no answers and no way to solve this porpoising issue other than just increase the ride height and compromise the pace of the car but so i was sort of thinking i was like it's probably it's possibly more probable that you know is the concern that yeah it, that would cost money, and they can't afford to give up that much well, with, that's a, the with thing. a cost like, cap. They knocked it out in of the which, box for seven years without a cost cap. Now there is in which case, in which, but I think because it's not just Mercedes. This isn't just you know. Oh no, now Mercedes yeah. is finding out how it's actually hard in that. Um, I would argue that there's a bit of a case to be made here. Um, maybe you know, there needs to be something along the lines of you know. A special dispensation made of X amount of funds for teams to resolve this issue in season that does mm-hmm. not count towards the official budget cap. And, you know, but it has to be proved. Like, you have to be able to prove and show where, like, every single cent of that extra money went and to be able to show that it went to fixing porpoising. Yep. Uh, so that you've not, you know, gone. So it has to be completely this. transparent. Yeah, but like, yeah, because I don't know, because that's the thing. Obviously, the solution is raise the ride height and that, but you do that and your car will be shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not an effective, like, it's a tough one because, you know, on the one hand, there is just an aspect of, well, it's Mercedes who got this wrong. That's your problem. But it isn't, 
it's it's enough of the team. I know Mercedes is worse than anyone else, but it seems like it is enough of the other t- of the teams that it's not just it's obviously something in the nature of these aerodynamic regulations and that means that there was a much much higher risk of in coming up with a way of designing a car that you would stumble across a way that has this as a side effect. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's the thing. Something if if the FIA literally make it's... a special dispensation for certain teams, you can imagine the absolute media fracas that would eventuate from obviously. The yeah, teams I don't. But like at, at the same time, like, it's not. We've. I mean, we've all seen the footage. Like, yeah, it's it's obviously bad. I and does it? Yeah. What Hamilton said he, during the race. You know, he complained about, "Oh, my back is killing me." Only my adrenaline got me through. I can't express the pain you experience, particularly on the straight here. At the end, you are just praying for it to end. Um, he also mentioned that if Mercedes can fix the bouncing, that they're going to be right there in the race, which is another discussion to be had. But yeah, it's, it's, it's nasty. And apparently it's kind of an issue exacerbated on street circuits, where the surface is a little bit bouncier yes. than, say, a regular yeah, racetrack. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no, that'd be so it should be less of an issue in the coming weeks, but then obviously we come back to I guess uh, Singapore. Fuck my brain. Singapore is the, the only street circuit we have left because we don't have Russia anymore. And Jeddah was yeah. at the start of the year, not the end of the year this time. Hmm. Oh well, fuck them then. <laughs> Vietnam, Vietnam doesn't exist. Never uh, did. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's... Yeah, okay, so Singapore, that's it. But still, you don't want to be bouncing all over the place having back problems. Uh, I'm a 23-year-old man, and I've already got back problems, and it's not nice. So I hope... I just don't, know what, I don't know what the solution would be. Meth. Meth? He takes, if he takes enough meth that he goes numb, he mm. won't be able to notice that his back hurts. Interesting. Interesting. All right, fair enough. This is another great solution by Nine's Wide World of Sports. Nine's Wide World of Sports. Uh, move it along. I think we were really quickly. That story about uh, Belgium not dropping off the calendar for South Africa. Obviously, if we are genuinely going to be going back to South Africa soon, that's very exciting. A lot of people have been asking for that for many, many years now. I think it's something a lot of Formula 1 fans want to see. Mm-hmm. Not at the expense of Belgium, though. It feels this is very much this is very much the old Thanos Gamora meme of, you know, did we get South <laughs> Africa back? Yes. What did it cost? Belgium. Quite. Um, you don't want that to happen. That? I, I take France... Uh, as as the uh, the sacrificial lamb, I, I still don't think Monaco will make way. I just think Monaco is too iconic, and and they'll find a way to to re-sign the contract there. So I, I still I mm. hope France, but it, it could very well be Belgium. We'll see how the uh, cookie crumbles in that regard. Oh man, I had such a nice chocolate chip cookie yesterday. We had a little games night, and some people brought over their uh, some chocolate chip cookies just out do you, of. Do you have a? Let me ask you. Do you, do you have a favorite? What did it cost meme? No, I don't. I think it's an oh, overused mate. meme, and I'm a bit sick of it. To be perfectly it, honest, it is. But it did have an absolute goat tier peak when and I. I also just made. don't spend that much time looking at memes. Oh, oh, that's just you're just not living your life very well. Yeah, well, like I, I work a lot. You know, I'm a, I'm a busy guy. Mate, I did. And when I'm not peak. working, I'm fucking. 
myself. Well, it's just a lie. <laughs> it peaked. It peaked at the old. You know, did you do it? We've captured a command post. What did it cost? We've lost a command. Post. <laughs> that's that. That's very solid. That's good. That I was that like was one of the pinnacles. That was one of the pinnacles yeah. of the internet. I would say. Um. <laughs> all right. Well, the last little thing I think probably to touch on from the race itself. Do we want to talk about Sebastian Vettel for a little bit? Fuck yeah, he had a good weekend. He, yeah, easily his best weekend. Q3 appearance, finished, what, P6 in the end in the race? Could have finished P5. Could have finished P4, could he not? He, like, Hamilton came fourth, right? Yeah, Hamilton came fourth. Yeah, Vettel could have been P4. There was no indicators that Hamilton had the pace to get past him. That's fair. Um, and it was just that, yeah, that mistake by Vettel, um, which was a mistake, but it led to probably the highlight of the race, if you ask me, because that flick turn, oh, yeah. fucking orgasmic, <laughs> how good was that, like, like he's done that in the vehicular equivalent of still being like mid stride, there was no coming to a stop, still with all the momentum, he just... Inverted, like, inverted the car, did a complete 180, yeah. off he drove, and he lost all of, like, two spots because of it. Oh, yeah. Thing of absolute beauty. It was very, from very, Sebastian. very, And, yeah, very and he, awesome. he had, yeah, really, really strong pace all weekend, which was really great to see. Lance Stroll, on the other hand, was absolutely nowhere. Yeah, Stroll was nowhere, He's, as usual. He sucks. If, if you look at the winners and losers article for the Formula One, you've got winner Sebastian Vettel, and then the very next point is loser Lance Stroll. So, yeah. <laughs> it's worth noting that Aston Martin, they have started to build up some momentum, I think, some midfield momentum since they introduced a significant upgrade over there in Barcelona. And this obviously was their best result of the season here, sixth in Baku, which I. Yeah, yeah. They're, this team, for whatever reason, they have they really they, they like Baku. They've actually never, ever had a car finish outside of the top six in Baku, and that's including when they were Force India and Racing Point. And notably, yeah. it brings them level with Haas. And if Aston Martin are in an uptick of form, Haas are in an absolute freefall because last week. You mentioned that Mick Schumacher would either score points or he'd crash out. There was zero, zero chance he'd just do some also ran thing of you know running around in. I 14, know what did he do? He also ran. It was to be you know when the that when that late red flag came out in qualifying, that pretty much condemned anyone who wasn't who was already in the drop zone to being in the drop zone. My thoughts very much did go to all right. Well, he's got to fucking crash out this weekend because he's not bloody making in the points from. Dead last on the grid, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and the man, he just he just forgot that he was meant to run into the wall in the castle section. I know. Very disappointing. He was 38 and a half seconds behind 13th, <laughs> running around there in 14th. That's that's pretty that's pretty fucking bad. So yeah, I I was clearly just a year late with my Aston Martin to finish P3 in the Constructors' prediction. I mean, I think it's pretty much uh, a foregone conclusion at this point. They're, they're up there. They're going for it. <laughs> um, although AlphaTauri also getting their best result of the season elevated them past Haas into 7th. Yep, so 27 points, 14 points behind Alfa Romeo. Bottas, it must be said, had a shit weekend as well. 
And yeah, I think that midfield that midfield battle is becoming a bit more congested with Aston Martin kind of slotting in there, causing a bit of trouble. Alpha Tauri perhaps finding some form. It'll be interesting to see how that kind of all shakes out. I think McLaren is pretty solidly on for P4. Maybe Alpine can challenge them, but I think from P5 to P9, it really is anyone's game, and obviously Williams' other definitive backmarkers. So, yeah, it's it, it, I like it. I like the way the midfield's kind of shaping out, shaping up and shaping out. If, unless there's anything else race-wise you want to talk about, shall we get to no, the story? No, there is not. Let's get on to the big one. Actually, just quickly, before we get on to the big one, I don't believe... Did you mention this headline intended and I was just half asleep? Or that, that story about uh, drivers backing penalties for triggering flags and qualifying? Oh, no, I didn't. I um, I found a different well, one instead. Uh, fair enough. Wow, well, I thought it. something was more... Thought fucking Eddie, um, Eddie Redmayne. You thought Andrew Redmayne talk was more important than a legitimate F one story. Yes, fair enough. All right. So apparently this comes. Uh, so Albon, Albon has said he thought Alonso deliberately went off at the little end of Q one to ensure that Pete, like the Williams drivers and that who were behind him. Which the commentators did sort of half mention that, you know, because it was obviously there was that scramble of about two minutes to try and get round and get your laps in after the red flag. Uh, Schumacher has done it before and was actually excluded from qualifying because they were able to prove that he just intentionally stopped on track. Michael. Uh, there was infamously the one where Rosberg went straight ahead at Mirabeau, which meant that Yellows came out and Lewis couldn't put in a proper lap to try and challenge him. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, obviously it sounds like a few of the drivers have, uh, have come in and said, yeah, we'd, you know, be in favor of if you bring out, you know, the caution or the yellow, maybe you get some kind of penalty. But then, so Um, that's, that's obviously just blanket statement. Like if you bring out any sort of yellow flags in qualifying, you get a penalty because that's a bit harsh. I mean, you've already fucked your car. You've already yeah. fucked your lap time. It's not always going to be cynical. And it's, it would be so hard not, to determine it, what it, is cynical is. and what isn't. Oh, absolutely. But it's not un, unheard of. It is, um, I believe in supercars. And that it is a standard thing. I know, if you bring out a yellow, I think... See, it's a tricky because that's the way you do it. But I know, like, yeah, bring out a yellow for, like, running off the track, it's hard. If you do something, yeah, it's a tricky one. Like, the Alonso ones are, if you just, you know, but if you bring out a riff, you properly hit the wall in that, mm-hmm. yes, you made a mistake, but it's such an inconvenience to everyone else and that. I know, like, in supercars, if you cause a red flag in a session, I believe, yeah, your uh, fastest time is invalidated. So. Okay. You know, you'll but, fall back to wherever you're... I think it's just you fall back to wherever your second fastest time... No matter what. Uh, ...goes. I see. And that. So, you know... Because, okay, look, if the, penal- um, if the penalty is for specifically just bringing out the red flags, okay, I think it's a bit harsh, but as long as that's the consistent rule. If they're going to try and kind of determine on a case-by-case basis which, like, which move is cynical and which is just an accident, I think that leaves the door open for a lot of bullshittery. Like, if you think about, let's say, let's keep it to Baku. Charles Leclerc last season uh, had the provisional pole in Baku and then crashed. Was it Baku or, or Monaco or both? I think it was both. He crashed and then red flagged it and then ha- had pole as a result. I don't think Charles Leclerc meant to do that, obviously. 
he didn't even end up starting the race because his car was fucked. So I, I don't know if, and I, I think, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one for me. It would need to be policed very, very well. <laughs> yes, yes, it absolutely would. But anyway, let's move on to the big headline. So in the last week or so, rumors have been, well, for a little, for quite a while now, but they've really ramped up in the last week or so. Rumors have been bubbling that, well, A, Nicholas Latifi could be on the way out at Williams. They've just reached the end of their tether with him being, well, he's massively off the pace of Albon this season. Yeah. He's also been crashing a lot and yeah. racking up them bills. <laughs> There's also been, obviously, continued press that, like, Alpine, wa- I think Alpine wants a solution uh, that gets Piastri on an F1 grid without having to put them in their own car because mm-hmm. they don't ne- they've already got on cotton under contract and they don't necessarily want to part ways with Alonso who is showing good pace. He and is, is, is a desire good? that he, a desire that he wants to be staying on the grid going forward. And so it has been yet yeah, bubbling under the surface that Piastri could be going to come in, certainly replacing Latifi Williams next season, but that's now going to be ramped up to in this season with the story now breaking in that the rumour is that this weekend in Canada will be Latifi's last Grand Prix for Williams and Piastri will be replacing him effective immediately as of the British Grand Prix in July. Yeah. Yeah, so have you have you seen this seen this story and what do you make of it? I have seen the story. It's all over the news. It's all over the place. Auto action, speed cafe, Fox Sports, etc., etc. Race fans, even a lot of talk that this is indeed the case. Obviously, there's nothing being confirmed. But Piastri made a kind of cryptic. Was it tweet or Instagram post? I think it might have been an Instagram post. He did, yes, yeah. he made it. It was an Instagram post or something of. Be yeah. right driving here soon, which in there he was already scheduled to test at the um drive FP1 at the British Grand Prix. So, yeah. I, I don't think that's yeah, anything yeah, too yeah. much to read into. Yeah, uh, I think I think if this is the way they're going, it's the correct decision because Latifi is shit. He has done a fun job, I think. You know, he's he's, he's made for some. Interesting, entertaining moments, a la giving Max Verstappen the de facto championship last season, a la his little bromance with George Russell last season. You know, he's he's been a fun little goof, but he's not good enough to be on the grid. I no, think we all know that's that. That's very much my stance. My stance as well. And um, Oscar Piastri, I'll is. miss him. Yeah, I'll, mi- I'll miss him because he's honestly. I think we'll see if he's one of the most likable drivers on the grid. Oh, but awesome there's guy. only twenty seat. There's only twenty seats in F1, and you want as many. T- genuinely talented drivers who deserve to be there as possible, and Latifi, yeah, he's just not it. Yeah, um, exactly right, exactly right. And I, I think Martin Brundle's come out and said that yeah, he's got he has got to be in F one sooner rather than later, and he's got to take it. He's got to outperform whatever he gets. Similar to Mark Webber in Minardi, similar to Ayrton Senna at Tolman, similar to Charles Leclerc in the Sauber. He's got to, you know, take a bit of machinery and, and, and take it to places where it shouldn't necessarily go. And Williams has a great chance to do that because I think, you know, he'll definitely make that car look better than Nicholas Latifi. And I think him versus Albon, he could easily win that battle. So, yeah, I think it's it's harsh on Nick on Latifi to, to cut his contract and, and dump him halfway through the season. 
And if if their main course of thinking is, hey, like we want to save money on all these broken cars, in theory, bringing in a rookie isn't necessarily the best way to do that. But also, as we know from our from F two, go shout out to F two for you our other podcast. You can check that out on the same platform as this one. Oscar Piastri is a very safe, very consistent, very kind of reasonable driver in that sense. He doesn't really have that many. He doesn't have many major crashes and issues on his resume. So no. No, he does not. Yeah, I think it's a good decision all around, if a little bit harsh, on the side of the Canadian there. Uh, shout out to Lavazza. Good coffee. Not that I've ever tried it, to be honest. I just like the branding. Yeah. Fair enough. Don't and also, I think it's, it is nice that he gets to... If, if this is all true, it's all still speculative. If he gets to farewell the grid at his home race, that is quite wholesome. Yeah, well, you'd have to wonder, is that another thing? When was this decision made, and have they decided this for a little while now, but they've gone, well, we'll let him stay through to Canada because it would be a bit stiff to kick the bloke out just before his home Grand Prix? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, was this has this been in the back of their minds for... Has this only come out in the last week or so, and they've just gone, oh, well, it's about to be Canada, we'll let him race Canada regardless. But, yeah, it, it's, it'd be nice. Yeah, certainly you'd want him to get to race his home Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. It's good for that. But definitely as Australians, I'd be lying if I said anything other than I'm hoping this is true. Because you're a patron um, and a uh, filthy bogan redneck. I just want to see Australians on the grid, particularly really Italian. Mm-hmm. This a Piastri is usually the most excited I've ever been about an Australian driver coming into the sport. And part of that's just because I'm more ingrained in across it and aware of things and that. But like I, with my level of F1 fan and that that I was, and I was watching all the Ray Fun races, but I didn't know much outside that. I had no idea who the fuck Ricardo was before he rocked up on the grid mm-hmm. and, you know, in a HRT. And I was like, oh, cool, it's another Australian. And very quickly we became found out he was really good. And I was like, oh, sick. But, like, I know that, like, Piastri is not just, like, an exciting talent in an Australian. So, like, Piastri is a genuinely, like, generational talent who could be the most exciting prospect we've seen come into Formula One. Well, certainly since Charles and George did in consecutive seasons a few years ago. Yeah. But, like... He may even be more exciting than those two. Again, he has done something that no one has ever done by going three straight titles up the junior ranks from his F and like whatever his F four equivalent and F three F two. And bigger, bigger this as well. Uh, you'd think a seat here would mean at the very least he'd be looking at being able to have a seat at Williams for next year, and it will give Alpine four race weekends if that is the case to get a better evaluation of Piastri in a car in a race situation before they reach the mid-season break, which is, I believe, when they're making that decision regarding the second mm-hmm. seat for next season. Apparently, he's already had a seat fitting at Grove, but yes. he's also technically fourth, a reserve driver there, so, yeah. Fourth fourth team that he's had a seat fitting with this season. There's McLaren, Williams, yes. obviously Alpine, and who? Mercedes. No shit. Ha, not bad. Not bad, good soys. He's just out here getting seats fitted to his body. Good man. Good man. Love to see it. Interesting. And it's worth yeah. noting that Latifi... Look, he's he's had moments, but he is sort of a pay driver, right? His dad, Michael, is the yeah. owner, chairman, and CEO of Sofina Foods, which you might remember as, a, as kind of plastered over the Williams car in recent seasons. Not there this season, because obviously with Doralton buying the... Um, the outfit, they don't really need that funding as much anymore because Doralton are stacked no. for cash. So 
yeah, Latifi's inherent value there has also kind of gone out the window in the sense they don't necessarily need a pay driver anymore. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that, so, that adds the discussion. And, and yeah, yeah, positive steps for Williams as well. Like they're here to play. They're not just here to make mm-hmm. some money from the sport. They're here to win. They're here to be competitive. And Piastri would give them that. Yeah. Like they want to be aggressive. They want the best driver pairing. Albon's doing great. Time to get someone in alongside him who can do great as well. Yep. Yep, yep, All yep, right, yep, yep. let's start moving towards wrapping things up. Now, Shashan, you will have heard in talking about Oscar Piastri, I mentioned a particular word, or I guess more so a particular place name. Indeed. And boy, howdy. The Williamstown Football Club. I excited <laughs> because, ladies and gentlemen, after... Not quite two calendar years of doing this podcast, but it must be getting mighty close. This must have been about the time that the season... Actually, maybe it has been two years. This has got to be about the time that the season restarted up in 2020 when we first launched this podcast. No, it would have been a bit later. I'd say close to August, maybe. Really? Oh, maybe, maybe. What was the first race back? It was... was No, Bahrain was the last race. Let's have a quick look. 2020. Yeah, come to think of it, you might well be right, actually. Calendar. Yeah, it was about mid-year, feels like, when things were coming back. Round one was in Austria. Oh, wow. Shout out to us, doing a podcast for a clean two years. Fucking killing it. Yeah, third, so third July. So we're just, we're inside one month until the return, uh, the two-year anniversary. No shit. We're going to have to do something special. I think it may even that. be... It may even be the British Grand Prix as the two-year anniversary. Let me have a quick look. The British Grand Prix is the 1st to the 3rd of July. So, more or less, yes, Great Britain will be our two-year anniversary. Fucking A. That's awesome. And if we can celebrate that with Piastri on the grid, which would probably mean that Doohan would get the FP1 test and we would have three Australians in an F1 session for the first time since the 70s. Uh, what a way to do it. But yes, it is here. It is finally here. The race that I have been waiting for for so long and constantly talking on about this podcast of how fucking great it is and how much I love it. Canada. Canada is this weekend. The circuit Gilles You keep building it up, man. You keep building it up. And the more you build it up, the worse it's going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've not got a lot of expectations for this being some incredible race. The way mm. form is going in the last few races, they've just not been super exciting. But I don't care because Canada is back and I'm just fucking excited. I'm just excited to see race cars in Canada. Mm-hmm. Obviously home of, for me, my favourite ever Grand Prix I've watched, Canada 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, many great moments have taken place in Canada over the years. Uh, this of course, where Lewis Hamilton got his first race win as well. I think it's where Daniel Ricciardo got his first race win too, if I'm... Well, you don't yeah, know it is. me, it's mate. Where Ricca- no, it's where Ricardo got his first race win. I can remember that memory as well. So just many, many things have happened in Canada over the years. And yeah, for the first time, first time in three years that we're finally back in Canada, having missed it in the first two pandemic years. Jashan. Yes. Are you looking forward to the most overhyped destination <laughs> next to myself in uh, the F1 calendar? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it because... Um... Obviously, Baku was supposed to be kind of the return to form race quality-wise, but it wasn't. So we've had, God, Spain, Miami, Monaco, Baku in a row, none of which have been particularly yes. good. 
Correct. So I'd say the last kind of properly entertaining race. What? Jesus Christ. Imola? Imola? No? Imola? Yeah, yeah, that seems. What are we? Yeah, Azerbaijan wasn't great. Monaco, yeah, Spain. Imola. Uh, Miami wasn't great. Yeah, it'd be it'd be Imola. We've only it was Saudi Arabia and Imola <laughs> would be the two. Oh, and Bahrain would be the good Grand Prix, I think. But yeah. It's... Yeah. So we started out. We had three three good ones in the first four rounds, and then it's been all downhill ever since. But yeah, so I'm excited just for hopefully a return to form Formula One racing wise. Because I think we need it desperately for the podcast, for my soul, for my heart, for my body, for God. <laughs> Praise Allah. So that's what I'm excited for. And yeah, it's it's new for me. So I'm, I'm excited to watch a race at a track that I've never actually watched before. Should be good. I'm keen. I'm, I'm keen to see how Ferrari fuck it up this time. I'm keen to see Nicholas Latifi get a podium on his last ever race weekend. I'm keen to see Daniel Ricciardo take Lando Norris to the fucking cleaners. Let's do it. I'm keen for <laughs> just about ev- excuse me, just about everything. Are you keen? Are you excited? Big time. As I said, Big Canada time. is my favorite stop on the F1. Canada is my favorite stop on the F1 calendar. So yes. I am, even if it doesn't end up being all of a great race, I am super super stoked. I genuinely may even consider hauling my ass out of bed at 4 a.m. on wow. Monday morning. Um, which will be highly questionable considering that that will mean I'll have that start into another early start with work on a Tuesday, and I already do a terrible job of managing to get up for those early starts. Wow, having to wake up early but, two days in a row, that must be tough, man. Oh, I'm a, yeah, but the difference, difference is it's harder to do it when you're not... You're, you're, in, you're in theory, you're, you're used to that. That's, just, that's your routine. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a fun routine, but it is just your routine. <laughs> Whereas for me, it's a real, like, shock to the system because I'm very used to being able to, you know, chill the fuck out. <laughs> chill the fuck out, indeed. Fair enough. Fuck yeah! All right, uh, let's let's talk narratives then. Let's talk to Montreal. Return to Montreal. Ferrari looking to bounce back. How yeah. will they respond? The driver market's warming up a little bit. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. It's been a while. I'm not not too fast. I don't I don't think this will necessarily massively favor either car. Montreal does. It has a lot. It's it's a long straight, but it's certainly not like Baku long or anything like. <laughs> The, D- the, 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 the DRS zone is sort of the length of the straight. It's not like you've got a whole extra chunk of straight like you do in a few of these tracks we've had. But lower downforce setups tend to be the way to go here, yes? I think so. According yeah, to it's the not, Formula it's totally, yeah, website, no, it's a, yes. Yeah. It's, not a, yeah, it's not a high, high downforce track, which means it could be all right for, as I said, I think it could be all right for both both cars. Could be good for the Alpines as well. So, I mean, I think the, the, the easy narrative, I think we're all expecting Leclerc on pole. Yes, that's a given. Um, we're at this probably point. <laughs> all ex- we're all expecting Verstappen to win the race. Yeah, pretty much. It is ridiculous. Charlie's one that pace is fucking insane. The, the guy is a speedy, speedy, speedy boy. Do you think? Indeed, he is. Well, Mercedes should, in theory, have a bit more pace here because the porpoising shouldn't be as much of a factor on a good, clean, proper racetrack as opposed to a street circuit. So. Yeah, we'll see how uh, Georgie and, and, and Sir Lewis go here in uh, Canada. Yeah. But fuck yeah. So predictions. Predictions, predictions, predictions. Mm. What have you got for me? Ah, Jesus Christ. Ah, God, I don't want to be too boring, but it's kind of hard. There really are only four drivers you expect to be on the podium, maybe five if you count Georgie boy there. 
Ooh. I tend to agree. I don't want to be too boring at the same time. I'm going to go... Oh, fuck it. I want to go Carlos Science for the win. I'm going to go... Lewis Hamilton P2 and Max Verstappen P3. Oh, he's taking Carlos Science. Fair enough. Uh-huh. I could see him doing it here. Uh, this is the land of magical and wonderful F1 results. Magical and wonderful. That's so what we like it. That's that for one. that reason, I'm going to take Carlos in P3, Max in P2, Oi-oi. and George Russell Ooh. getting his maiden win under some kind of, yeah, weird. So let me have a look at the forecast to see if there's anything... Uh, to help us <laughs> Montreal. No, I like that. George cars. has been very, very good. I think George, a, a George win this season it would be nice. Sunny, 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 sunny. Zero percent chance of rain on Sunday. So it won't be raining That's with a chance of rain. That's what we want pools? to see. But yeah, I, I'm just going to George. I don't know. It's going to be one of those weird races. Something's going to be happening. I reckon, so like, there'll be some kind of tanglement between Leclerc and Verstappen or something. Verstappen will be out of Lewis Hamilton his way. Now that... Verstappen is the antagonist. He'll Lewis Hamilton BS his way back up to P2. Like, Leclerc's probably DNFing or something again. But yeah, and yeah. Russell will be the one that'll shake out. He'll have enough pace that he can cover off signs. Yeah. Don't know what Perez is doing. Don't worry about him. <laughs> Don't, not uh, to yeah, worry Verstappen about Checo. That, but Verstappen, Verstappen will run out of laps and, like, George will be able to hold him off for the last couple or whatever. And yeah, George Russell, that's who I'm going to take to win the race. Fuck yeah. All right. Kind of hoping yours comes out a little bit more than mine, but either way, I'd be quite happy George, if one of George us was right Carlos, with a race winner. I think both of our prospective oh, winners are pretty... Would, would, would put a smile on your dial, shall we say. They sure, sure would. But yeah, I'm not going to go anything too more adventurous. I mean, I'm tempted to go for my This Will Be The Weekend that Mick gets points, but I just after last weekend, I just cannot be asked. <laughs> So we'll just patiently wait and see. I reckon Mick will get his first career points the next time F1 goes to Germany. Okay. So, I don't um, think he'll ever score points probably in Formula n- 1. Um, well, I, I don't, I don't think, think they... You, you, know there's, you know there's no German Grand Prix on the calendar, right? Oh, yeah, fuck, you're right. That was... that was Good joke. Kind of my that was good. Good man. Thank you. Proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's anything to us apart from making comment the fact that uh, Park Ji Sung's the greatest footballer to have ever footballed, not Andrew Redman. Uh, for week, you can find us on any good podcast player and also on Instagram at Online Hub Media. I've been Matt. That uh, depressed sounding soul has been Jashan. Someone told me the other day that I have a really good sounding voice. So, fuck yeah. Well, they were probably lying to spare your feelings. Oh, you're such a salty, bitter old man. Well, you say that, but I am currently leading this stage of the Tour de France that I'm playing. So not everything isn't uh, going But are you leading an NRL fantasy? <laughs> no, I am not. I am close to deleting my team. <laughs> Fuck yeah, the boys. But yes, for another week, we combined have been Rear of the Grid. Fuck you, boys. Ooh!
Our first groundhog of the race. You don't want to be there for long, my friend. Four, ten, six. Not in the middle of the track. I don't know what they're called.